things early career recruitment the strategies to help you succeed will help you work with generation z with all the information that you'll need it's the jack and ollie show hello and welcome to the early careers podcast with myself ollie sidwell and me jack denton So today we are going to be talking all about work-based learning and we have two esteemed guests uh, from the world of ASSET, which is a work-based and placement learning association. Uh, Hello, Fran. Hello, Debbie. Do you want to introduce yourselves? Hi. Hi, Ollie. Hi, Jack. Uh, I'm Fran, Francesca Walker-Martin. I'm the chair of ASSET um, with one hat and my other hat is reader in work-based learning at the University of Central Lancashire in Preston, which is the north. <laughs> <laughs> well clarified. Um, Debbie. Hi, Jack. Hi, Ollie. Um, I'm Debbie, Debbie Sivajothi, and I'm the Chief Operating Officer here at Asset. Um, and I've been with Asset for uh, 11 years now. 11 years. So we talk about Asset as a, a work-based and placement learning association, but what, what does Asset actually do on a daily basis? So um, we run um, a network for placement practitioners um, across HE providers across the UK. So we have 130 member institutions and within those institutions, we support around 1,800 staff and they might be um, academics who are placement tutors also or professional services staff who are placement practitioners. Um, and we offer an office-based support so they can ring with any queries or email or use our network to, um, on LinkedIn or um, through our um, e-bulletins. They can use our network to have answers to any questions that they might have. Um, we also do publications on various topics to support their practice Uh, And we run training events, um, workshops, um, asset insights, and an annual conference event to bring practitioners together. Um, That, in a nutshell. And what does asset? What are the what do the different letters stand for? Historically, (laughs) when we were set up in 1982, um, it was the Association for Sandwich Education and Training. When So when it was set up, really the only kind of placement was a year-long sandwich placement for people who were um, doing an industrial degree at Polytechnic, as Mm -hmm. was then. Um, So at that time, really, there were only the year-long sandwich placements or professional placements in health and education. Right. Great. We've moved on since then. We have moved on. Long way since then. So we just, but we keep the name because we're so well established now. That probably brings us nicely onto the topic of today, which is all about how is work-based learning changing um, uh, across campuses across the UK. And it'd be lovely to understand. You mentioned you do loads of different things for all your members. Uh, One of those things being uh, the conference that you run in September. So. Be really keen to explore how how you and Asset have, have set your you and your teams up for success in such a tumultuous term. How, how has it all worked? You want me to go? <laughs> okay. Um, right. Well, March was an interesting time, wasn't it? Um, we 
we had to move all of our provision online. And so our regular provision, um, be that conference, be it training, be it um, regular hubs, had to move to an online platform. Um, and if I said it was seamless, I suppose I'd be um, <laughs> glossing over the challenges <laughs> that we had. Um, but it was fast. It was really fast. And uh, one of the things was that blew me away, actually, and has done uh, from everybody um, in the asset community, was that all of the trustees, uh, we, we have a, a board of 15 trustees, but every single one of them leapt in and said, yes, I'll do this. Yes, I'll do this. Yes, I'll do this. Um, and I mean, Debbie had to learn how to use, use Zoom in every single way possible. Um, and then it was immediately communicating out to our membership. This is what's happening. We are here. Um, and what we did was we ramped up all of our communication. Um, so normally we would have something like um, three hubs um, through the year. And we'd say, and we just said, right, we're, we're going every month. We're going every month with a hub. Um, what's and a, what's just making sure that we're pulling the community together, understanding what was going on, what the challenges were. And uh, and I, I've actually gone, I've got a little shiver going on because what happened was um, people just launched at us, like, I'm doing this, I'm sharing this. And, and we were able to gather a wealth of tools, techniques, support, for everybody who'd suddenly found themselves in a completely unique situation that nobody had ever experienced before. Um, so it was, it was fast. It was um, coordinated. It was, yeah, it was fast coordinated and making sure that we, ins- that, that our members were fully supported. What's the uh, hub? What's a hub? You said you, you, you normally do three hubs during the year. This you do yeah, many so more. But... A hub, yeah, a region. We have what's called regional hubs. So we are divided up into, oh, Debbie, I always get this wrong. You do the, de- you do the region. <laughs> <laughs> so we have five regions. So Scotland and Ireland, the North, the Midlands, the Southwest and Wales, and the Southeast. And we have divided our institutional membership up into those regions according to where they geographically are across the UK. And they have been regularly meeting over the last five years, as Fran said, three three times a year. Um, so they get to know colleagues who, who work in institutions fairly near them. So they can actually touch base with them more frequently. Sometimes they're within the same city. There may be three or four institutions within the same city mm-hmm. who are members of ASSET and they operate very differently. So they can share the practice that they, they use in their institutions. So we've been doing that regularly. So and then as Fran said, How has that changed then with the virtual world? Is it, if you kept it in hap- that? Um, what's happened, sorry, um, Jack, what's happened is that um, what we would previously have done before the virtual world, we would have designated a, a place for people to physically travel to meet up. Mm. And now that we're online, um, we've enabled people to meet up who have who wouldn't have travelled previously. So if, for example, we were in the north and we would have 
um, met in Liverpool. Um, people might have had to travel from almost the Scottish borders to get to Liverpool for their hub meeting. But now they don't have to travel. So many more people have engaged with our hub meetings. We've had a tenfold increase in attendance at these meet online meetings. Wow. So the, the change for us is that we're looking at, well, regional hubs online make a lot of sense. And let's really make this work and really continue with this way of operating. So we're about to start our next round of regional hub meetings the first week of December. And those will, of course, be online. And we'll be trialing a new format for those that will be looking at how do we take these forward for the future, um, enabling as many people as possible to join in. And of course, these are free for our asset member institutions. So it's a huge opportunity for all our membership to engage with us. Really, um, really great to see such uh, uh, engagement, like you say, 10 times higher. That's, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And I think it also highlights just the, the power of, of, of a network because you're obviously mm -hmm. trying to bring everyone together and the ability to learn from each other. And I think it's quite, certainly in the roles that um, all your members will be doing, quite often they can be siloed, can't they, in their, in their own institutions. Yes. So they're, whether it's in a specific like faculty um, or area, there might only be one or two of them doing yeah. their role. So actually having other people to chat to doing mm -hmm. the same role is super important. That's, yeah. that's really important, actually, Ollie. And that's something that is really a huge value of asset, that it's not just that they're siloed within their own institutions, but once they're in the, in the membership of asset, they have access to colleagues in completely different types of institution. So, whose practice is very different to theirs. So they can mm. they have ideas brought to them from all kinds of institutions that they may never have been able to think of or come up with without that access. I guess you've also as well, you've kind of um, um, enabled the network to use its full power because yeah. you might, you know, maybe part of um, ASA and you've got all of those members, but you might really meet up with the same 10 or 15 institutions over and over and it's great because you can learn from those but and i'm sure you you know you can learn from them but it just makes the power of the network so much more um more potent now that people can do that online yes it, it, it does um but the thing is that asset is is one organization um that looks after and supports work-based learners but we are part of a global community um, and the global community is, uh, the umbrella is called WACE, W-A-C-E, the World Association of Cooperative Education, which brings together all asset-like organisations across the world. Oh, right. um, so one thing that, that has really taken off for us is that really robust relationship it was a good relationship before, but it's a much, much bigger relationship now. Mm. So we are able to link with our, our colleagues literally across the world. Um, and so we, we're getting links, we're creating links, getting insights, sharing resources much, much further than we, we ever were able to do before. Taking, taking part in each other's online conference events. Yeah. Hmm. Wow, really good. It sounds like it's really, like I say, t taken off. And I think the, the, the community spirit you get from being part of the, the network and being able to um, get all that 
that diversity of thought and reach out to more people, engaging more remote uh, universities that wouldn't always turn up face to face. I think that's been such a, a valuable benefit, I guess, of, of, of this, this time. Um, yeah. there, must, there must be loads of other different um, like positives and, and challenges and opportunities that have happened d- during this. So w- what have you seen alongside the network? Anything uh, actually sort of in your specific university, Fran, um, that that's really been, that's changed a lot and that's been quite a, like a, a big positive um, to come out of it? Oh, one thing that uh, I'm really impressed with uh, by is that we make assumptions. We make assumptions that our students and our learners can receive the information that we broadcast and that is an, a, a wrong assumption unfortunately our university did not assume that that could be the case and checked whether the the students and the learners could receive our broadcasts and uh, a wealth of students came back and said no I can't I've got a, got a mobile phone that's the only way I could do that some didn't even have that uh, and so what, what they did, what my university did, was um, furnish those those students and learners with laptops uh, and made sure that they had um, were able to access information. So that's one really good news story. Then we had other students who were, were, were trapped here. <laughs> so they, they couldn't go anywhere. They couldn't go home. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I, uh, I I just love the fact that that my I'm very proud of the fact that my new university cared for them. Um, I, uh, that means a lot to me personally. Um, so there was regular food deliveries and <laughs> food banks and and support and and just making sure that that they were okay. Um, so we've got a lot of really good stories. Other things that, that really happened and that I know that universities across the country did. Um, because I, I hear back from our community is they were making PPE. They were, you know, um, 3D printing uh, specialist masks. We have um, a, a health section. So we have nursing, we have midwifery, we have um, medical as well. And so we have a load of equipment. So we they, we, we do have um, everything that they needed, and it was like there was no question. It's like there you go, have that equipment, and then we had also rooms in our halls that that were empty, and that was like okay, let's have our NHS staff live there if if they need to free of charge, they they can live there and and be supported by the Uclan community, um, and I know that many many universities across the country did exactly the same and and it was that real um like support of our community and making sure that things could happen um and and providing that support that guidance um i mean and yes our students were able to to learn really fast new skills it's like no we've never had to print a 3d mask before let's have a go at that no we've never had to make ppe like gowns and equipment um in in our fashion department let's do that <laughs> you know so it's so many so many many positive things in such a terrible situation mm. i think that's right driven by necessity um there have become opportunities that have benefited students as well and you know there are 
I think through through everything going online and being digital, the, the engagement with students has improved. And a lot of universities have been able to engage with students who might otherwise have struggled to engage with um, support that would normally be within curriculum time. So you know, we have across the UK, there are students who commute, students who work, students who have students who have childcare responsibilities. And previously, if it was face-to-face engagement, sometimes there would be less support for those students. But now they can access things online when it suits them. Yeah. So this drive to put everything online has enable more students to engage with support that they might need to encourage them to do a placement, to do an internship. And it's also, it's given them access to use those tools to develop their careers that they wouldn't previously have had. And I think that has made, many of our member institutions have said to us that has made them change the way they think about provision. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's quite similar to um, Australia, isn't it, Jack? When we spoke to uh, Julianne Kitrupi mm. um, from the University of Technology in Sydney, I think it was Series 4, maybe, Series 5. Mm. Um, and she was saying, because Australia is so, uh, obviously so vast in general, but mm. also from a, in Sydney, there's quite a lot of their students actually have to work part-time to support their degrees. Mm. Um, yeah. So that's just the, the makeup of the, the students that go there. And they find they get so much more engagement uh, outside of, core hours that they have to do things online to do it so um they've really kind of had a focus on that before and i think it's been really interesting learning uh almost how the uk has suddenly expanded to that and it you think it bizarre really don't you you think why have we not had such a great online presence as we do now previously given the way the world is but actually it's forced us to, to be able to do that and it's great that there's so many students engaging with you um uh, or with all, all the career services because i think every careers and placement service we speak to are all seeing that engagement's up and there's um, far more visitors to the website, there's far more questions being asked, um, mm-hmm. which is only going to benefit uh, employability and those interested in trying to get secure placements and internships. Mm. That's absolutely right, Ollie. I think that students are now reaching out and asking for more support and more help because they realise that the future could be online for quite some time. And so they now need more support as to how to present themselves to employers online. Yeah. Have you got any um, insights into certain industries that, I mean, Fran, you mentioned there, like say you've got a big focus on uh, midwifery or you've got a big focus on in the fashion. So you've been able to directly help um, there, but, what about other industries that you're seeing that have been um, almost ramped up in terms of the opportunities available to students? Um, to because placements of placements and stuff, Ollie. Yeah, in relation to all the placement opportunities that they'll be offering, yeah. Uh, well, obviously anything digital, um, digital marketing, anything to, right, for me, I'm, I'm based in a business school. So for us, anything that we do could be delivered online. Um, and one of the things... Um, the opportunities that we were doing was reaching out, uh, which I know is happening across, um, like, actually across the world. Um, universities reaching out to um, SMEs, particularly, um, to provide help, support. Um, 
because it's a two-way thing, isn't it? So if hey, we have this ability to help you, but if, if we can help you, we're gaining experience as well. So we're seeing more opportunities for things like marketing, things like accounting, um, um, just business development, new ways of working. So we saw a lot of support going out and, and, and that I mean, helped to, to develop and enhance those links. Um, and we have noticed that um, organisations that were working on a digital platform already have grown significantly so have you seen an overall um, reduction in the number of um, placement opportunities? Well, by by the very, hey, we, we've seen uh, a catastrophic um, impact on tourism leisure, um, as you, you would say, hospitality, mm-hmm. um, mainly because of, of exactly what's happened. So those areas have been the hardest hit. Um, so, so yeah. do you think the um, placement industry will come back in the same way that it has been before, or do you think it will be forever changed and actually the nature of placements might be different in the future? I think it's a bigger answer than that, Jack. I think we're all going to come back changed. Um, I think that, yes, I do think the nature of, of placements and opportunities will change. I think we'll see more of of a blend. Um, But I do see it coming back and coming back with a vengeance um, because there will be an appetite. One of of the the main impacts, I mean, we've we've talked massively about the, um, the, the opportunities here, but also we need to consider the fact that we are human beings and we are social beings. Uh, and the importance of working together um, is vital. And we've talked about working working together and 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 um, through the online community. But we are more than head and shoulders. <laughs> That's not a shampoo. <laughs> not shampoo. So if I was in my if I was say in my in my first year or maybe thinking of going to university and I was looking to do a course that um, had a placement um, year in it. What do you think um, I might expect when I start my placement year in the future? Do you think actually by the time I get there, it will be similar to what it was? Or you think actually um, placements will be different? They'll be partly online and partly face-to-face? Or, or what, what do you think that might look like? I think we'll see a blend. I do think we'll see a blend. Um, I think we'll see a blend even in really hands-on things. I mentioned midwifery. Um, I think we'll still see a blend there, um, but I, I, I genuinely think we'll we'll just see something that's different. But I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think that's a really good thing. Debbie's mentioned um, the more more students engaging, mm. um, so I think we'll be able to see more of that. But I also think that we will have seen, we have seen, we know that employers' attitudes to um, virtual and remote working has changed. So thinking about about that, you have to to think about the the presenteeism and trust. And what we have seen is that, yes, people can be trusted 
to get on and do their jobs. Um, and what we are seeing is that employers already, when they're when they're bringing placement students on or internships on, they are finding new and different ways of supporting them those, those um, learners online as well so that they're, they're, they're building up new communities and new ways of working so i think the new world will be a blend do you think and we'll have learned so much from it do you think that um um there might be um a world in the future where and i'm not sure whether this does currently happen whereby um aset members work more collectively so what i mean by that is i assume that each university has their own set of contacts with different employers, um, so a mixture of national and local employers. Um, but now um, it might not matter if you're if the a local employer is based in Preston because they could actually take on a placement student who's studying at Brighton or um, in in Exeter. It doesn't really matter. So do you think it might be more likely that actually those um, opportunities would be just pushed out across all of the full network, or actually? That's not realistic because really universities are trying to defend their patch a little bit and keep their own group of employers. <laughs> you will always get that. You will always get universities um, wanting to defend their patch, of course. Mm -hmm. But we also have to consider that employers want the best person for that role. And that best person for the role might come from Brighton. But that's no different to any ways we've worked in the past. Right. So, um, so in terms of, of recruitment, but I, I think that that people will be seeing opportunities um, more accessible. The, the opportunities are more accessible. So maybe somebody in Brighton, I'm sorry, just picked up on what you said, somebody in Brighton who would not normally have come to Preston mm. um, might do that by the virtual world and maybe uh, join us, mm. uh, join a company um, like for a couple of days a month or something. Yeah. So I guess maybe rather than um, universities changing the way they do things, SMEs might, instead of just interacting with one university, actually go, oh, why don't I actually interact with 10 or 15 um, universities and the placement teams there? Maybe. Um, uh, who, who knows? I mean, universities do collaborate anyway. Um, I think that that is not a new thing. Um, and so, I mean, we, we will often work together um, to, to build and develop opportunities um, from, from a, a, not just a, across the, the country, but across the world. Um, but I think that this situation has enhanced those relationships. Um, I, I think we work more together as institutions than you would normally see or would normally be. Um, I guess if there's going to be a blended approach in the future, though, um, there's an advantage to um, companies to um, employ somebody who could feasibly go into their premises for face-to-face -face working mm -hmm. as well as doing some work virtually. Okay. So that, that will impact on where they recruit from, mm -hmm. yeah. to where they're based. So Because I, I, I think Fran's right from what we're hearing from all our membership is that they see a blended future 
So there will be an increase in virtual internships, um, face-to-face and, and online. But um, as Fran said, we are all human and people need that contact. And there are so many aspects of doing a placement that aren't as good online as they are face-to-face. So as soon as there's that opportunity to be back in working within a company, I think that's that that will happen. That, that's, that isn't going to disappear. But I think what we've discovered through through necessity is that there are so many more opportunities and so many more ways to get work-based learning and work experience than in the traditional going into work in a company for a full year as if you were an employee mm. in the mm. traditional sense. But I, I certainly think that our membership are saying there are always going to be traditional places. We will return to traditional placements and study years abroad and because that is what people want. They want those ex- lived experiences. Yeah, like certainly on the uh, on the continent, like it seems like Erasmus, you know, they've been impacted significantly, and the, the amount of value that European universities get out of Erasmus or students at those universities uh, is massive. And um, just reflecting on what you were saying, uh, Debbie, and listen to your question, Jack, around could they be more remote? And I think initially placements could be loads more remote, but when you start, that's very much from a sort of myopic short-term perspective to sort of fill a a role gap but if you then start thinking longer term in terms of actually what why do employers do placements um tristram from the ISE was talking on the ISE survey launch uh, yesterday we were, we were recording this mid uh, november and they had a big ISE survey launch and one thing that ISE see which is very similar to what we see at rate my placement is that about 50 percent of students who do year-long placements will then go back on to work for the employer upon graduation and that has been very consistent over the certainly the course of time we've been uh, going and probably the course of time just because that's the greatest way to to get future talent into the business that will then stay longer it's always it's always proven that they'll stay longer than just straight graduates um, and yeah, it's just a really fast uh, source of talent um, and often cheaper uh, when you do it that way so I think employers as you were saying, Debbie, will certainly continue to do these. And it's great that you're seeing that, uh, even though there's probably been a slight dip, given everything that's happened, which is really natural. I think it's impacted internships as much as well, given mm-hmm. the timing of it all. Happened sort of early spring, given all the internships started in the summer. You know, they got quite, quite heavily impacted. But I think certainly as we're starting to hear more positive news from the government and the world, that actually will be sort of coming back to hopefully to where we were and as you were saying Fran in terms of just how many um, more uh, industries have actually sort of flourished in in this time they're thinking actually we should take on more students um, which is obviously only going to be a beneficial thing uh, for universities and university students going forward. I think we could just add too that um, we've heard that there have has been a huge uptick in interest at open days um, in placement provision, students oh, wow. asking about placements. Is that just what since March, or is that yes. just in? Yeah, this, really? this with this. So the open days that have happened virtually, mm. there have been a lot more questions and conversations around placement provision and and 
what would the opportunities for doing placements and getting work experience. So when students are making decisions as to where they want to go to university for the next year, they are asking those questions. It's been registered. There have been many more questions. Mm, interesting. Great. Yeah, really positive. Um, we started sort of crystal ball gazing a little bit into the future a bit here. Should we should we carry on talking about the future? And um, I'm really interested in thinking about the, the quality of the experience because that's um, obviously something we want to make sure that students have a wonderful time whilst they're uh, they're working, and it's, it's it's a really positive experience both ways, which is why so many have a great great time and it benefits them. Mm-hmm. How are you finding? Uh, maybe I'll come to you first, Fran, in terms of. How has quality been impacted being more remote and how do you see this over the the next placement cohorts um, panning out? I think employers are working really hard to create the quality um, experience um, and they are genuinely doing that and we're seeing more and more supportive um, inductions, engagements, uh, meaningful work. My concern is um, comes back to um, ensuring that, that those students have the ability to work effectively and comfortably. Um, I, I work. I, I have a, a, a home office. I am. I am really lucky in in that respect. But uh, if you think about um, other homes, um, they they might not have the the benefits of you know um, a desk. Yeah. Might be, might we, we know that a lot of a lot of students might be in in quite cramped conditions um, and right sat on the end of the bed for the whole day, for example. Um, so it's so it's always maintaining the quality of their their environment. It, it's, ma- it's maintaining it, that is the difficult bit, Ollie. Mm-hmm. And Fran, we're also part of a uh, unpaid internships. Uh, working group um, with AGCAS as well, aren't we? Um, yes. you, you said something really interesting in that around the the impact. Obviously, the whole uh, world's been changed in terms of from a finance perspective, whether employers have the ability to to mm-hmm. pay students as much. And we know unpaid internships and the the, the battle uh, we all fight uh, with that, whether it's, it's uh, uh, morally uh, the right thing to do or you're trying to give opportunities to as many people as possible. It's or very legally. Or legally, yeah, the legal element of it all. Um, it's a very f- a fine line to, to balance in terms of how the government see it. Uh, w- what was your impression you're seeing from a um, from the, the paid internship versus unpaid um, element with employees that you're working with? Uh, just to make it clear, the assets view is that um, a placement, so sustained work, i.e. more than four weeks, should be uh, paid work. Um, that is our uh, very much our view, and that's what we are promoting. Um, you, yes, Ollie. Um, there is a big discussion going on about paid and unpaid work, and I think we need to um, make it clear. I believe it was Stephen Isherwood was making some comments in relation to to those conversations about um, the fact that if 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 employment if work cannot be paid then it must be viewed within very strictly the volunteering um, 
perspective, from a volunteering perspective, which has its own um, a, a robust framework around it um, and very clear roles, responsibilities. Um, and I'm quite interested in that. Um, it's, it's, it's a really hard conversation to have. We cannot stop um, students and learners um, taking advantage of opportunity. But what we can do is help them to, to help to support them in so to ensure that they are not being taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. I think it's about as well helping people understand it. So because this is basically we're talking about the National Minimum Wage Act 1994, right? So yeah. placements as part of your course, there are exceptions so they don't have to be paid. Obviously, you're saying you've got a different view on that, but they don't have to be. And it's also helping people distinguish between that and other types of work experience when they should be paid and there's no exception. It's irrelevant that they happen to be a student and they're doing it. And also ways that they can claim their money back. So, you know, um, you can if you ever do an unpaid internship, you can claim that money back from HMRC because those people should be paying the PAYE, P-A-Y-E on, on you. Yeah. And it's I think it's partly as well also educating young people so they know that, you know, once you've yeah. got your graduate job, just go back to all those unpaid internships and claim your money back. You don't need the reference anymore. I, mean, I think this is part of a, a much, much broader and um, it's a thorny issue because there are, I mean, we have to think about um, ability. So in we think... Some, some students and learners may be well financially supported by, um, by Bank of Mum and Dad or whomever, um, and so can take advantage of that. So we, we also have that potentially that wealth divide coming in there. So this is, this is a very, very big issue um, to talk about, and it's probably one that we'll, we will never <laughs> – we, we won't solve here today. <laughs> yeah, let's hope Chris Holmes gets his legislation through Parliament. Yeah. I do, I do think that something that we haven't really touched on hugely today is, is actually talking about um, the third sector and how experience um, through volunteering has increased hugely yes. in this last year and how the third sector has really benefited from the fact that um, they could, uh, students could uh, do placement placements, do get work experience with them online, and um, we had we had um, uh, organisation uh, representation at our online um, event in September from employers in the third sector who were hugely benefiting from. Um, increase in applicants from students wanting to work with them, knowingly to volunteer with them and to gain experience of their organisations. So certainly the, the third sector is is an untapped resource and many students are happy to do volunteering alongside a placement and alongside their studies to get a useful work experience that they then take into their career mm. beyond graduation. And it's something that we, certainly at our university, we've always strongly encouraged our students and learners to do that, um, to, to yes, uh, like, 
undertake the placement, but also um, enhance um, through voluntary work as well. Um, it says a lot, I think, in my, my personal view, it says a lot about the pers a person, how they choose to spend their time um, and how they choose to engage with um, their local community and, and enhance things because that all adds to um, a, a rich a rich person in terms of ability, but you know, a rich offering to future employers. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think there's multiple reasons why aren't there volunteering is is partly um, I'm sure for some people work experience, but it's also an altruism to people they would like to just help and give back, and mm -hmm. you know that might not be thinking of their CV. They just like the the charity or the organisation and what they're doing and want to support that. Absolutely. Um, shall I attempt to do some sort of summary from what we've discussed today and then we can come to your magic question, Jack? Good idea. Oh, magic um, question. <laughs> so I think um, what, what we've, I guess what we've learned today very much is uh, how, what, certainly what Asset have found is just this, the network suddenly becoming um, so much more powerful in terms of the engagement you're seeing from people um, more remotely, the amount of content you're creating, the amount of meetups you're having. Uh, it's been really beneficial for all all the members, and certainly you're seeing um, people coming together to support each other um, yeah. when actually they do very like, siloed roles. And it, it can be um, certainly on on campus. Actually, it's becoming more more together, and that's only going to benefit students looking uh, for for work based learning. Um, and something from a like you say, all the opportunities that are coming out of this. You mentioned volunteering just then. Uh, I think Fran earlier you spoke about uh, certain industries that are really thriving. You know, anything online, e-commerce, you mentioned marketing, digital, all those, those industries that are actually seeing more opportunities come out, which certainly with more um, remote setup um, and students being able to set up remotely, especially if you're giving them all laptops, if they didn't have them before, that's really inspiring them to, to support them. But there's so many more opportunities. And what, what um, sort of couples with that is probably students needing to be as flexible and adaptable as possible. And it might not have been their dream to go into some, uh, some of the roles that are available now. And there might be some dream roles they were hoping to go into that certainly aren't as available. You know, the likes of your retails, FMCGs have really taken quite a big hit there. Yeah. So uh, it's seeing the increased need for students to, to really be, um, think about where they want to go to, be adaptable, be as adaptable as possible. Um, and if they can, they can do that, hopefully there'll be uh, enough um, enough out there to, to help them and support them um, to really learn and take the first steps in their career. Mm. Good summary, Ollie. Yeah. I think we caught everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, so is there anything that we haven't asked you yet that we should have asked you? Well done, Ollie. Everything. <laughs> Debbie's still thinking. I think you've got something out of Debbie. <laughs> I need a bit longer to think about that one. There will be. There will be. There will be. <laughs> Just to see if there are any big areas that we haven't covered off or anything that, you know, um, mm. you kind of wanted to bring up that we hadn't, it didn't, hadn't um, managed to find its way to. She's got something. She's got something. Well, the, the only other thing that, that maybe we haven't touched on as much as we possibly could have is, is how, as part of our support, for our members, we have had a focus on their well-being, and um, that was 
at our um, online asset event in September, we had a whole feature um, from the British Red Cross um, on well-being, and we have um, our recordings are still available for our members, so people can go back and have a look at how you need to look after yourself in order to support your students and well-being will be a theme that we pick up with our training for our members over the next six months. Yeah. Great. Great. Really good. Yeah. If you, if you ever want to, to have a, a stonking speaker, get married <laughs> and uh, she, honestly, the, the reaction, uh, just go back, Ollie, and have a look at the recording. Uh, the um, the response to that was just, mm. you could feel the whole community just go. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> really good. I'm, I'm sure she would love to be described as stonking as well. Having, <laughs> put that into Google. It is uh, the used to emphasize something impressive, exciting, or very large. So, <laughs> we'll go with impressive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, what a way to end that is. Uh, Fran, Debbie, thank you so much. Uh, I feel really, really insightful and just congrats and well done to everything you're doing for Asset and, and the member base. It sounds yeah, like thanks a lot. Uh, you're doing some amazing stuff to support uh, all the students across the UK. Thank you, Ollie, thank and thank you, Jack, and thank you for this opportunity to, to share yeah. what we're doing and for enabling us to work with you yeah really appreciate it our pleasure um well thank you very much uh, i've been ollie and i've been jack uh, and that is the early careers podcast we'll see you next time bye for all things early career recruitment the strategies to help you succeed we'll help you work with generation z with all the information that you'll need, it's the Jack and Ollie Show.